I used to do an intro, but uh, I don't know why. I I just don't like doing the intro. So you know, I just decided we'll just start talking, <laughs> and then, okay. and then I'll. Yeah, I'll do the cut at the beginning wherever I feel like it or, or something. <laughs> or maybe I'll just say like, hi, Amir. How are you? Doing wonderful, JJ Co. <laughs> uh, or, or, yeah, I know you say my full name. I should, I should actually say your full name in the beginning so people know who you are. Right. Amir Sullivan. <laughs> What's up, everybody? <laughs> what? What's up, everybody? <laughs> Hi everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Pure Cake and today my special guest is Amir Solomon. Um, so Amir, I know previously you told me that your first name actually means prince. It does. And your last name is the name of a king. So you're basically a prince king. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd like to hope so, you know. <laughs> Just need a little extra Prince King money and we'll be good, right? Uh, are all princes and all kings rich, though? I'm thinking like, I'm thinking like maybe there are some kings like who are not, who are technical kings, you know, meaning they have the title and the lineage and all that, but they are flat broke or something. That's true. That is true. You know, I, but, but wealth is not, or riches are not just money. That's true. You know, so. It is connection, it is power, it is influence. It's a lot of those things. Yep. So, yeah. So, hey, I might not have the dinero, but <laughs> <laughs> we're all working yeah. towards that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think so. Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, like, working toward what? What do you mean? Oh, it was just a joke. It was a joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we all want to be all powerful, all influence, and you know all that. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um. Well, yeah. I think. Um. I don't know. So, what? What would make you feel like you've made it? That is a good question. So, mm -hmm. um, I just turned thirty this past year, November. Wow. Did you? I know I'm getting old now. <laughs> Time flies. Yeah, I was like, what, 19 or, yeah, I probably was 19 or 20, um, you know? Yeah, when I met ten, you, but yeah. 10 years ago, yeah. What was like that? that? 2011 then, right? Yeah, 2011 going into 2012, yeah. Yeah, okay. So yeah, 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 I was like 19, 20 years old during that time. But um, my goal was to retire at age 30. Um, and like my mindset of retirement wasn't like just retire and, you know, but uh, it was more so like just being in a position where I can work when I want to not work when I don't want to, you know, and just kind of like, if I need to take, you know, a stroll for a month or whatever to clear my head, I can do that, you know? So, um, so basically, so basically financial freedom is what you're talking about. Financial freedom, but also time freedom, you yeah. know? Um, cause I think like probably about six years ago, I came to the realization time is money and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so you could have all the money in the world, but if you don't have time to spend it or enjoy other people's company, you know, to me, it's, it's not worth it. Um, and vice versa, you can have all time in the world, but if you don't have money, <laughs> you know, there's certain things you're going to miss out on or won't be able to have. So, um, you know, so to answer your question, I think like king status or, you know, that wealth status, prince status, would just be being able to do, you know, what I want to do when I want to do it. Um, you know, being able to 
travel um, and not really like have to worry about, like you said, the financial aspect of things, um, but also have the time, you know, and energy to do it. Yeah. Um, so as you may know, several years ago, after I uh, quit my corporate job, um, I decided to take some time off and do some traveling. And, um, and I traveled, um, went on several trips uh, domestically for the first three months and the second uh, half of that six month period. Um, for, for the next three months, I traveled overseas uh, in a continuous three month trip. And uh, thinking back, right? I, I regret not taking longer. <laughs> not staying out there longer. Well, you know, the funny thing is I, I did travel very frugally, mm -hmm. uh, relatively very frugally. Um, I, you know, I did Airbnb wherever I could. And actually um, Southeast Asia where I spent uh, a bulk of that time uh, is cheap. And so right. you could stay at a decent hotel for like under $50 a night, you know, which is oh, wow. like, oh yeah. In some, some countries you could even do it for like 25, you know, what? a night. Yeah. Really decent hotel for like $25 or something like that. Dang. Yeah. Um, and if, if you do Airbnb and if you do it somewhat, not really at the city center or, you know, maybe a little bit off the beaten path, then you could do it for like $10, $20. Yeah. Some places it's like really cheap. <laughs> and and food is really cheap like you could get a a decent meal for like average like two dollars you know where you travel to exactly uh in southeast asia um i i did spend a month in bali uh, so indonesia is one of the cheap places um so i think um in southeast asia in terms of economy and and like um and you know uh currency exchange and all that stuff. I think the cheapest was like maybe Indonesia, Philippines and Vietnam. Okay. I think they're kind of comparable in terms of like scale, um, mm -hmm. you know, what you could get. Um, I think Thai is a little little bit more, uh, but Thai, Thailand is still cheap. Um, um, among them, I think Singapore, Singapore was the most expensive. So Singapore, I think the exchange rate is about equivalent to like Canada. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, at that time, I don't know what it's like now because I haven't really kept up. Um, Hong Kong, in terms of food and all that, is relatively cheap, but um, because it's it's actually very crowded in terms of population, so real estate is high. So hotels were very expensive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I was paying like a hundred dollars for a really crappy room. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also my timing was wrong. Uh, apparently, the I was there for like, I don't know, three or four days. I wasn't there for very long. But, you know, the days I, I happened to choose, um, there were apparently like three other major conferences going on at the same time. <laughs> so all the hotels were all booked. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, wow. So it was difficult to find something decent. I've been there before, you know, ended up in, uh, it was Nashville um, during like one of their big music conferences. Yeah. And I'm like, why is everything expensive? <laughs> and, you know, I had no idea what was going on, but, you know, that's how it was. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I did travel fairly frugally, um, but, you know, I was, um, 
I think the whole trip cost me like maybe 10,000 or somewhere between 10 and 15,000 for mm-hmm. three months. It's not bad, actually. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, about a month of that was in the U.S. because I drove across the country. So by the time I came back, I decided to come into California and rent a car and drive across the country. So I that actually cost me quite a bit. Um, 50% of the trip, right? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but um, so even including that, it was like between 10 and 15,000, which so it's not that bad. Right. Um, but now, of course, you know, at the time I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm spending so much money. But now thinking back, I'm like, no, I should have stayed out longer. Right. <laughs> so That's if you awesome. do get a chance to, you know, take some like really, you know, big chunk of time. Yeah, yeah don't, do <laughs> don't be don't be in a hurry to come back, you know, right. take full advantage of it. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Where good. where would you go? Definitely Vietnam. I have a friend who actually so uh, pre-COVID, full disclaimer, you know, he started giving me like these little books, like hints on like, you know, growing food and traveling uh. and all this stuff, you know, and he was in the health uh, sector. And then one day, uh, he's one of my customers um, for the phone, cell phone repair. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, um, my phone's broken again. So he met me at my shop and he's like, oh, I, I really don't have a broken phone, but I just want to say farewell. I'm going to Vietnam. Uh, I'm like, how long? He's like, for at least a year. And, you know, yeah. we'll see what happens. And, um, you know, so he's been sending me emails of like all the little mopeds and tell me how amazing it is, how inexpensive it is. Um, yeah, it looks like he's living life. Yeah, Vietnam is definitely a place where you can do that. You can stay. Um, Vietnam, Thailand, I think, um, Indonesia and Philippines you could stay for a really long time and not spend a whole lot of money right. I, I would say that Vietnam and Thailand are per, um, also but Vietnam and Thailand are more um, they have more developed places I think overall um, mm-hmm. I think Indonesia and the Philippines are poorer nations um, I think in in various aspects um, yeah right. Yeah. Uh, Vietnam, de- uh, despite the fact that it's a communist uh, country, it's it, it's uh, it's very capitalistic. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think um, <laughs> I didn't really get a whole you know a lot of sense of um, well, except at the airport, when I arrived, you know, there were a bunch of, you know, officials in uniforms, like military, they look like military uniforms, as opposed right. to like airline uniforms, you know, or wow. airport uniforms. Um, but other than that, I really didn't get a sense of like, you know, yeah, that it's like a oppressive regime or anything. Um, but I did get to speak to some of the locals there. And, um, and they did say that, on a day-to-day basis, it's fine. It's like any other country. It's just that when you have to do certain things, like, like, um, so the people I, were t- I was talking to were students. And so they were looking to study abroad. So getting that permission to go study abroad is a big deal. Wow. Yeah. And um, I mean, they're allowed to do that, but I think, I think they're very, uh, strict about insisting that they have to come back like they can't then move or or something like that because they don't want to lose like intellectual um all oh, right because everyone would just leave 
yeah what is that thing called um not intellectual property it's like um when they lose like people with skills like loss of skill evolution or something kind of um yeah i i've yeah there's a term for that yeah Yeah. i think it's more of an economic term maybe Mm -hmm. i forget what it is um but anyway how do we get into this oh yes uh (laughs) life of freedom so what does that look like for amir solomon right you know so that's it so now i know instead of three months here at least <laughs> i think uh, so yeah yeah but i mean you know right now I, I think um you know so i've been doing a lot of traveling of course for work but um kind of opened up the opportunity to see new places um you know try to experience new cultures and of course within the means of the united states at this point um but yeah definitely just you know more traveling and just trying to acquire more knowledge and skill set so um like during covid or like the announcement of it, um, my main goal was to just figure out what skill sets can I acquire, you know? Um, some of it was music related, some was other business related. Um, but yeah, I definitely took, I feel like I took full advantage of that and really did um, in the past three to six months, learn new things that I, I never learned before and, and just put energy into things that I wouldn't have had the time to do had I just had a normal work schedule, um, you know, when everything was just busy and booming that that's really good to hear um because uh so many people couldn't really adjust or pivot that well yeah. uh for you know it could be a number of reasons um but um but yeah but it's good i know you know many people also took advantage of the whole uh, uh virtual world and and everything yeah. it has to offer yeah yeah i didn't really jump i didn't jump on that boat honestly you know the uh I had a friend, he, I mean, within like 20 days, <laughs> he had everything like the camera set up, the audio streams, YouTube, um, you know, and I really, I didn't think that COVID was going to last that long, honestly. Mm. And then also, I just didn't want to feed into, I felt like that was kind of going against, especially like live musicianship. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, if everyone starts doing these, you know, Facebook lives with the Venmo tip jar, um folks may not want to go see live music again you know so <laughs> did you honestly did you honestly <laughs> think that though because i don't think that's that's true I, at this point no i think you know at this point everyone just wants to get out um yeah you know, I'm, I'm in south carolina now so uh i've had time to go to georgia like savannah's right by charleston um i've been up to atlanta a few times and it's like the past i'd say 30 days just playing the few live shows that i have people have been like itching to be out for the longest. So it's definitely, I think there's, there's really no comparison, but yeah, I, I was just like, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. There is quite nothing like seeing a live performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know that it will uh, ever really go away. Um, it's a little different from, you know, the movie theater experience. Um, yeah. I know that's kind of shifted even way before COVID, you know, with the availability of like uh, Netflix and Amazon started doing sort of the um, uh, the same, I think same day releases like in theater release of right. certain movies and, and stuff. And because some people just don't want to, they don't enjoy the, the movie theater experience, you know, uh, but some people do. 
I wonder, I'm, I'm actually curious if, if, you know, once everyone is able to you know, like go out again, if movie theaters will start packing up. I see that's, I think it may be a nostalgia thing, you know? <laughs> you know or, what I was, sorry, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking like, why didn't drive-in movies come do a, you know, make a comeback during COVID? Right, right, that is true. That could have, that could have, you know. Yeah, um, a few folks around here did that because, you know, we have a lot of land, um, you know, and I saw like there was a, but then again, a lot of people are just afraid to of even just being, you know, in a parking lot. So I don't know. Yeah, but you're six feet away at least. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know? But hey, hey, they some folks tried. They did. They had like the little um the blow up jumbotron or whatever you call it. And yeah. you know, some folks they tried, but yeah, yeah. That would have been um, cool to see. I know, I know that, um, I mean, I don't know how, how long ago he started this, but Dave Chappelle started doing outdoor uh, comedy um, uh, performances with, uh -huh. you know, a bunch of others. I know, I think J Dave Chappelle, Joe Rogan, and a bunch of others, I think maybe in Texas or somewhere, they started doing that um, sometime last year. Um, they started doing it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, people, I think, um, I think it was a parking lot situation. So I don't think people actually came out. I think it was like, I don't know. You know right. what? Never mind. I don't know all the details. <laughs> all I do know is like, it's outdoors. <laughs> hey, I, I would have been there. That would have been cool. You know, but I was thinking like, yeah, they could just, you know, find a radio station, you tune in, roll your window down a little bit. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. But yeah, it just didn't take off, and it's true, it did not. So, so let's talk about your music. Um, okay. <laughs> so, so you come from a musical family, actually. Right. Yeah. Right. In fact, your whole family together, you formed a band, a family band, and performed yep. together for a number of years. Yep, that was back in the day. <laughs> back in the day. So, uh, the have day. you have you broken off? Uh, we, 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 We've broken off, you know, uh, the story gets deep, but, you know, to keep oh, okay. <laughs> well, keep maybe, well, I would, go ahead. No, 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 I'm sorry. Like, um, like maybe without divulging some of the very personal details, like what happened? Right. I, I would just say, you know, um, I think it was definitely a great foundation. Um, of course, after, so like after 2011, 2012, um, I, my brother moved to South Carolina mm. and then I moved probably about eight months later so that in itself kind of split the family band um you know to a certain sense um because my parents my sister was in new york we were down in south carolina um i know we both took a hiatus for music for a little bit and then i started when i came back to music probably about a year and a half later after leaving new york um it was more so just doing bass to be honest um so started the bass thing and then it just kind of rolled into me being like a uh, pickup bass player for various bands in South Carolina. Um, and then a few years later after that, uh, I formed a band uh, with my brother and we kind of re-encompassed or re-encompassed the whole steel pan thing. Um, my parents would call me every now and then or call him, you know, go back to New York and help fill in on a gig or something like that. But it kind of just the whole dynamic changed, I would say, at that point, definitely. Um, and then, of course, 
it got further as everyone gets older um different focuses and you know (laughs) people go off and live their own lives and that sort of thing yeah exactly so you know but um yeah so but like i said it was i think it's definitely definitely a good foundation um you know started with the steel pan and then branched off into basically what happened was after 9-11 uh, we were playing, I was originally playing the six bass, which are six 55 gallon oil drums mm-hmm. and they're super big, super heavy. You have to have a trailer to, you know, travel with it. And a lot of like the weddings we were doing, everyone's budget, the whole economy had kind of dropped after that. So, um, it just wasn't, uh, like co- there was no cost advantage to have those type of drums with weddings and things of that nature. So that's kind of what spun me into playing the bass guitar. Cause it's like, Hey, no trailer, you know, we don't have to charge the client more money. It's a lot easier. Um, so that's what segment waved me into the bass. And then from that point on, I kind of just started branching into other instruments, um, you know. So you were playing the bass a while then. I was, yeah, I started, I'd say probably my first. So my dad bought me a bass. Well, actually, so I played a show in Long Island. I think I was probably nine or 10 years old. And my sister, she had a friend who came and watched us perform at the library. And her friend's dad actually had a bass in his closet. He was like, hey man, like I got this bass guitar in my closet, you know, like you want it? <laughs> Cause I played one song for, you know, for that event on the bass guitar. So he gave me that bass. And then I started messing around with it. Um, and then two years after that, for Christmas, my dad got me a bass guitar. But it wasn't really until college that I started to pick up um, like the bass guitar more seriously. So I had like three influential friends um, in college, one of them, uh, rest in peace, but he uh, he was like, listen, man, you're not playing right. You gotta, you know, he's like, you gotta practice every day. You need to, he's like, you need to practice until your fingers start bleeding. And yeah. I thought it was a joke until my fingers started bleeding literally, you know? Um, but so like those four years in college really took me from like, I'd say zero to a way higher extent. Um, yeah. And then, but I've always had like that music, you know, I've always had the music background thing. It just kind of ran in the family. It was, music was always around. Um, I found way, like as a kid, I was recording cassette tapes, like recording radio stations on the cassette tapes and, um had like my dad's chord piano I'd mess around with that so it was always like music was just second nature to me Hmm. yeah so so your family just for the listeners uh, benefit uh so your family you guys play steel drums steel drums yep so steel drums they're known as steel pan or that's the correct term for it Um, okay in the U.S. everyone says steel drums because it's a drum of steel (laughs) but uh steel pan it's an oil drum that you know they turn into that steel pan instrument so is it is it like pounded or something in a certain way so that like different places that you hit actually resonates with exactly yep so um what they do is they basically it's a concave shape and so what happens it's a whole process but you have to basically sink the drum which gives you like that bowl shape Mm -hmm. and then you kind of stencil out all your notes and they have the same notes as like a piano, the same 12 notes of music. And then you have to basically just hammer each one until they're tuned to each musical note 
Um, and that's that's yeah. a very, very simplified version. It goes through like a burning process to temper the metal so the notes stay in tune. And, you know, you have to tune them, not constantly, but uh, they get tuned, you know, they, they hold tune a lot better than other instruments. Wow, they actually have to be retuned. Yeah, so if you drop it. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's right. So if it, if it uh, yeah, if, the sh if it gets misshapen or something, obviously. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, but for the most part, they actually, um, the only time they go out really is if you drop it, if you pound it really hard um, with something other than the mallet, the rubber mallet, or if you're like playing in direct sun, the metal actually, yeah, yeah. it'll bend. So you'll get like a more of a sharp tone. Oh, that's well, interesting. Fact, no, it'll actually be more flat. That's what I have. It'll sound more flat. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, if, if you're playing in the sun, it actually heats the metal. And as you're hammering on it, it'll, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it actually it'll it'll detune it a little bit. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's weird. And then once once it cools off, it goes back. Yeah, yeah. Well, same thing happens with uh, guitar strings, uh, steel string, steel string guitar strings. Right. Um, uh, different from nylon strings. The classical guitar has nylon strings. They they don't happen. Uh, they don't get the uh, out of tune in the same way. But like if you go from like a you know especially during the summer, hot outdoors to air conditioned indoors yeah the the strings just, it's just over it. yeah <laughs> it's just you have to constantly retune nope. um um but i i think the the instrument of the steel pan is very interesting because like you could imagine strings like on a guitar you know because of the weight and you know how much you stretch it uh, you know i could imagine okay it has a particular sound or or mm -hmm. tone Right. And depending on where you put your fingers, you're shortening the string. Therefore, your the pitch is higher and so forth. Right. But a steel pen is, you know, it's still yeah. just one instrument. But depending on where you strike, it's a completely different sound. Exactly. Which is I, I think that's definitely um, the mystery behind the instrument. You know, I've done a lot of like research on it, um, but basically uh, there's a thing called like equal temperament, uh -huh. which is like some crazy technical musical term and whatnot. But it's, I think it's either, I don't know if it was Mozart, it was one of those geniuses. <laughs> but uh, the way these pan are made is they had to find a way that the makers found a way to separate the notes, but keeping them on one shape, like one, one surface. Yeah, once, yeah. You know? So it's almost like, kind of like like you said like a guitar string you know as you move up the fretboard or down the fretboard as you're pressing a different um dimension or a length away it's going to change the pitch it's something like that but it's even more different because like they have to stay into like each note has to stay there yeah it's almost like each spot where you hit is sort of it's uh, it's it's like a separate string but yet still connected with the rest of the right you know yeah it's it's weird um <laughs> but let me tell you watching someone play the the steel pan is just uh dumbfounding to me because like how do they actually know i mean obviously you practice <laughs> 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 where no. you hit and oh yeah you know. <laughs> that's why it's everyone asked that question and it's like you know i know my dad used to respond he's like well 
how do you know where your piano notes are? There's, it's not labeled. It's, you know, it's, it's the same thing where, you know, <laughs> once you know where they're positioned, you just have to remember where they are. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but I, I played a, a nursing home, um, like probably right before COVID started. And someone asked me that. They're like, well, so what exactly are you doing? Like, it just looks like you're flailing your arms around like this and there's just sound happening. And so I had to turn the drum around and show them like, hey, look, these notes are, you know, they're not all over the place, but they're not just playing their own song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is fascinating. Um, so, I mean, how uh, how old were you when you started playing with the family? Um, so I was two and a half years old. What? So, yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> so your parents have been doing this all their lives, practically. They've been, they've been doing it for a while. Yeah, they've been doing it for, let's see, yeah, at least by... 30 to 40 years, somewhere in that time frame, you know? Um, so they started me out, basically I had like, my repertoire was like three songs at one point. And then um, of course it expanded, but by three, I think I knew either seven or 12 songs. Wow. Know? And most of them were in the same key, like C major. <laughs> okay. But it was still, you know, there's still different songs um, and yeah, it was just a matter of me just kind of remembering like the positionings. So, um, you know, and, you know, as they say, music is good for memory and things like that. I just had to remember where the positions were. So it was like, okay, it's going to be C, F, and G, but you're going to play them in this order, you know, or play this amount of beats. And so that's kind of where it started, honestly, you know, and there's, I've got videos and pictures to <laughs> that, you know, I got to pull out the closet. And, you know, that, that shows that. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much when I started. Wow. So did your parents do this professionally? Like, this was their main thing? Um, so my dad, it was his main thing. Um, and my mom supported him in that. Uh, she had another job, of mm -hmm. course, you know. And uh, my uncle, my dad's oldest brother, he's the one who actually makes the steel pan by hand. Like, he, wow. he made all the drums that were playing. He actually is the one who designed them, and then he made them. So I know him and my dad were, because my dad, I think, has been playing since he was like five or four, something like that. So, you know, um, my uncle started him on that drum and then he just kind of, you know, it kind of transferred into our family, you know, wow. my immediate family. So, yep, and I've got cousins that perform. Oh, wow. So it's not just yeah. your family, it's your it's, extended family, too. Right, exactly. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So yeah, so, for me, it's, I was going to say, yeah, for me, it's been like some history digging going on for the past. <laughs> I, COVID was, you know, another time to do that, you know, just uh -huh. trying to look back. So two years ago, I went to Trinidad, uh, where Trinidad is like, they've taken claim or ownership that they're the inventors of steel pan. Um, there's different islands that say they were the first, you know. I don't care, <laughs> but uh, but I went to Trinidad because during Carnival they have Panorama, which is like the largest steel pan competition in the world. Um, and so my uncle he had went there back I think in the '60s um, or early '70s, and uh, you know spent a lot of time there extensively, like learning how to make pan, learning how to tune them better um, and create a lot of networks down there. So, you know, I kind of took that trip to, um, you know, for myself to just kind of understand the history a little bit more. Are you, so your family is from Trinidad? 
No, so my family's oh. from Guyana, South America. Okay. Yeah. So Trinidad's a small island that's a little north of Diana, but Trinidad sits, you know, in the Caribbean Sea. Yeah, it's part of the West Indies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So. Um, okay. Uh, so um, uh, so is steel drum, uh, steel pen, is that part of the culture in Guyana? That I don't really know. I don't. I I would say not really. I'm um, wondering how your family got into it in the first place. I'm then. still curious about that too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm still very curious myself, which you know, trying to uncover more and more questions. You know, <laughs> or, or I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, I know that my uncle got a grant um, to learn how to make steel pan and I guess like the creation of steel pan um, by the U.S. and he was able to to live in Trinidad for a while mm. so I don't know um, you know I know in the Caribbean in general though after World War II there was a lot of oil barrels and oil drums left that you know from the cargo ships and the different military ships and they were just being dumped in the ocean like during World War II Wow. So what would happen is all these oil drums were just washing up on shore yeah. in these Caribbean islands. And so uh, the in- indigenous people from those islands took this metal and they were like, hey, you know what? We're just going to mess with it. Some some folks made barbecue pits and <laughs> some folks made steel pan, you know, and uh, between that and then, of course, you had like the little Campbell's soup cans and things like that. Um, I know my uncle said like when he was a kid, he would take the Campbell's soup cans and you can only get one note on it, but he would just hammer it and tune it to like C, F, and G, and he could play like little nursery rhyme songs. Yeah, if you have like a bunch of them. Yeah, just have a bunch and- Basically a, a xylophone of cans. Exactly. <laughs> yep. so I know, I don't know when that started, whether he did that before his interest in Trinidad and, you know, or if it was after, but um, I know that in different islands in the Caribbean, there was like that type of innovation going on. Um, you know, like similar guitar and, and even like djembe and stuff like that. There were a lot of different instruments being created at that time. So the steel pan then, that's the origin of the steel pan is uh, uh, war uh, refuse. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Basically. Right, that's crazy, just- right? Yeah. Yeah, um, I know I, I recently, one of my earlier episodes, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a photographer and he he uh, he spent a good deal of time in uh, Southeast Asia, particularly like Cambodia and Vietnam and places like that where there was, you know, it basically war-torn countries or previously war-torn countries. Um, and in in rural areas, there are all these um, bombshells left over. Um, I don't know if th- these were bombshells that, or if they're just casings. So the, you know, after the bombs ejected, maybe it's the empty casings or something. But anyway, they're they're all across the countryside. So you know, natives will pick them up and make things with it. They'll right. make like barbecue pits, like like with the steel drums, and right. you know. And uh, there was even a he took a picture of. He's a photographer. He took a picture of this entire fence that were made with these casings, like you know, placed upright next to each other. Yeah, it's like right. crazy. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah, but um, 
that's kind of how it was. It was just like uh, taking a trash and turning it into treasure, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and creating a whole culture out of it. Right, yeah. Yeah. And the, the coolest thing, like one of the coolest things about Steel Pan that a lot of folks don't know is it has its own like orchestra of um, like the Steel Pan family. So from that one uh, 55 gallon drum, depending on how you cut it, so if you keep it the full drum, you're gonna get a lower tone. It's gonna sound right. like a timpani or something. But the, the you know the shorter you cut it, you're gonna get like a very high pitched like violin sounding. You know, so depending on who the pan maker is, they cut different depths and have like different shapes of the notes. And you can get the bass. You can get like a mid range for chording. You know, you get the lead to play melodies, and then all of them play together. And you don't need any other instrument to accompany it and you'll have every single tone within that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's amazing. Um, I mean, I will say, having listened, I, I did come to one of your performances and uh, your family's performance and, uh, you know, did see you guys uh, perform. But, but I, you know, I have been exposed to steel pen or, or you know, steel pen music before. I, I mean, I was aware of them. But it's it's one of those instruments where it's impossible to make a song, even a sad song, sad, I mean, sad. Like, it doesn't matter what you play on it, it always sounds happy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. You could take the saddest song ever. Right. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm sort of, a, of an expert in writing sad songs. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently I write sad songs really well. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, um, I have this tendency, like I'll leave, I, I even have the ability to take a happy song and make it sound sad. <laughs> I can do that. So you gotta do the Pharrell cover of Happy. Let's see what, what it turns out. <laughs> you know what? I'll take that challenge. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, record a demo and send it to you. <laughs> right. If it's any good, I'll even put it on my channel. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. But yeah, but you know, on a steel pan, everything sounds happy and that's I, true <laughs> yeah and, and it's like and it's such a fun thing to you know to watch perform but also just you know a fun sound you know to to hear um, right. yeah so yeah. you know what i actually have a surprise for you so uh -huh. that performance i did go to remember i took some videos right so i'm gonna for the benefit of the audience i'm gonna i'm gonna play it so let me awesome. let okay. me share a screen Let's see. Share sound. Okay, so this is my Facebook Facebook page. So um, that video, by the way, still has the highest number of views of all the <laughs> videos I have on my Facebook page. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's open this up. Cheese and peas, did y'all see that? I want y'all to make some noise for the lady in the building called T. 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 Solo. Yes, sir. Come in. 
Okay, there you are over there in the, on the base, way in the back. Nice freeze frame. <laughs> I, I was I was trying to um, so when I was taking this video, I was trying to frame you in, but this guy in front kept getting in the way. Oh yeah. <laughs> so so this is your sister singing, right. and I think is this man in the white? Is that your father? Yeah, it was my dad. And I think next to you, behind this guy, you can't really see it right now. That's your brother. Exactly, yeah. Okay. I think um, your father, your mother is not in, she's not performing at this particular time. Nah. Okay. Does she usually perform? So she's more, she was more of a manager. Um, so yeah, she's performed on a few shows, but she's more so um, has, has been management for, you know, during that time. Okay, I'm just gonna stop sharing. So if anybody's interested, they could go to my Facebook page. Exactly. And <laughs> go ahead and give JJ some more likes, <laughs> more views. Um, I, I gotta grab my laptop charger, if you don't mind. Two seconds. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. One sec. Okay. All right. Cool. So um, you were saying that your mother, uh, uh, she handles more of the business end of things. Exactly. Yeah. Like like yeah. bookings and exactly. price negotiations and all that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, good for her. Yeah. yeah. Taking yeah. care of the family. Yeah. Was, yeah. That a, was that a choice on her part? Like, did she not want to play? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. You know, um, I don't, that's a good question. Hmm. It's really a good question. Yeah. You know, I know she's a she's attempted to play, but, you know. Some folks are more musically talented than others. <laughs> well, that's right. Um, and she's not blood, not, not, you know, not your, you know, she's not blood with your father. Right. right. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's your father's family that, exactly. that side who's musical. Yeah. 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 So, you know, yeah. But yeah, she's, she's played a few, a few shows, but um, yeah, she was more so always management. Yeah. Aspect. Yeah. 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 Um, does your sister play or does she usually sing? So she plays and sings, um, you know, she's been doing, so my parents have been pushing her solo TT solo project in New York, you know, I'd say since we left South Carolina or left New York. So, but yeah, she sings and, and plays as well. So she's yeah. gone on to like a musical career then. So yeah, so they're helping her with the musical career. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So is that something that you and your brother uh, want to do like music full time? Um, I'm not, I'm not sure what he wants to do. Um, for me, yes. Uh, it's just a matter of trying to figure out like in what way. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've had different, you know, of course I've been the little superstar kid and I guess at three years old playing some music, you know, um, and then as a bass player, you're always in the background, just accompanying, you know, like you have a prominent sound in the band, but you're not really a prominent figure to some people. Um, but it's just kind of figuring out how to go about it. Cause I've been doing a lot more teaching mm -hmm. and then oh, okay. also, yeah, and also production, like music production. So, um, during the time of the video, I had a studio in Charleston. Um, but when you're dealing with the studio, it's like a music equipment, it's never really a good mix. <laughs> People equate music equipment studio with money and opportunity. And so sometimes at least from my experience. Wait, you know. uh, uh, maybe I missed something. What? Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So I had a studio in Charleston um, and 
my focus when I created the studio was more so trying to help live performers to kind of just expand uh, their opportunity, I, I guess you'd say. So I had a full drum set, soundboard, bass amp, guitar amp, the whole yard, you know, and it was supposed to be kind of like a place for musicians to come and rehearse and just, you know, because Charleston, we, there's a culture where it's more so like a pickup type of musicianship. It's not really like set bands. So um, what would happen is you just get a phone call from somebody and it's like, hey, I got your number from such and such. Can you play this gig tomorrow? And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, I'll send you the set list tomorrow on the way to the gig. And so you get a set list of like 50 songs. You don't know what key they're in and then you're supposed to know all this music, you know? And so that's happened to me numerous times. So just kind of seeing, and then you see the same bass player with like 10 groups or the same drummer with like 10 different groups. And so um, I kind of saw an opportunity. There was a space available at one point and I was like, hey, you know what? If I jump on this, I think it may be a, a benefit for a lot of people. Um, you know, and the, the goal at that time was if musicians practice more, you know, with their band, they sound tighter, you can now charge more money. Right. <laughs> in so, theory, yes. It's right, in, in theory, you know, so, because, um, Let's see, I guess taking a step back historically, when I was performing with my parents, it was more so private events that we were doing. So it was a lot of weddings, cocktail hours, bar mitzvahs, things like that. Um, and then when I branched off and started in college, it was more church events. And then when I got to South Carolina, it was a lot more bar and like club related events. And just from experience, bar owners, especially like your bar and clubs, they just don't want to pay. You know, it's, and that's just wow. That, really? Yeah. <laughs> is that thing? Is that is that common across bars and uh, clubs across the U.S. or just in South Carolina? Oh, I think you froze. Okay, there we go. All right, we're back. Sorry yeah. about that. No, no, it's okay. You froze up and then you got disconnected. Yeah, the circuit breaker tripped. It was, oh. it was that MacBook charger. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've got, I have one of those like surge protected things that like save certain things, but I should put my router on there. That would have been smart. You oh, know. Okay, but, yeah. Yeah, I've got like my computers and everything on there, my speakers, but yeah, I don't don't have my router. So it just tripped the router out. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, no, that is important. Um, all right, cool. So yeah, if you get, uh, is it on a, is the router on the surge protector now? It's not, but I changed the destination of my charger. So it shouldn't happen again. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. Cause you had too many things on that. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. There's a lot going on in the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, my last question was uh, bars and clubs, not paying musicians. Is yeah. that a thing that, like, yeah. everywhere? Um, as far as I know, yeah. So um, I know like my dad and my uncle, they performed out in Pittsburgh for a while. And um, the rates that they were getting when I wasn't even born are some of the rates that they're trying to pay us now, you know? So, wow. Yeah, That's like, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's bad, you know? <laughs> I'm like, come on, match gas prices, do something, you know? Yeah. But uh, like $100 a man in Charleston, 
uh, has been like the industry standard. Um, I know in New York, uh, it was something similar to that. And um, yeah, I think it, it, it all depends. It really depends on, or it's based off of what you can negotiate really. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that was kind of like, it was a task or a challenge that I was trying to take up at that time was like, hey, let's give the bar and club owners a reason to pay us more money, you know? Um, Cause I've had conversations with some club owners and they're like, why am I paying you guys 300 bucks to drink a bunch of beers and hang out with your buddies? Like that doesn't make sense, you know? And I'm like, well, it's not just drinking beers and hanging out with buddies. Like that's, that's not what music is about at all. You yeah. know, like we have to learn this, the music, we have to rehearse it, we have to memorize it. We have to coordinate our schedules together. You know, we have to sound decent. Our equipment, you, you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh no, so, absolutely. Um, I mean, I know that, um, well, my experience is only in New York because I haven't really performed anywhere else, but also as a, as a consumer of music, I mean, I have gone to clubs and bars outside of New York, obviously when I travel and stuff, but mostly my experience is in New York. And I know there, there are different types of venues. There are venues that pay musicians to come and perform because that's their thing. Right. You know, that's like their main main thing is they're a, a music venue and people come specifically to hear music and buy drinks and food and stuff, you know, and that. And um, and then there are bars and restaurants and places that kind of have music on the side. Their main thing is drinks and food, exactly. but they sometimes have live music and open mic nights and things like that. Um I know places like that where it's not their main thing. Uh, sometimes the musicians uh, play for tips. Sometimes, right. you know, if there is a cover charge, they'll get a portion of the cover charge, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I know, so it's different depending on the venue, but I didn't realize like um, bars and clubs. I mean, I'm thinking clubs at least. It, is right. it well, music part of the whole scene? Exactly. Well, yeah, Charleston like really doesn't have clubs. We don't we don't have clubs here. Um, it's pretty much a bar or a restaurant that turns into like a late night venue type of right. thing. So it's not really like it's definitely not compared to like a club in New York at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they the main thing really is, uh, I guess, for the restaurant owner, keep expenses low. You know, maximize profit. And, you know, the sad thing about um, the musicianship that I've seen, like the crabs in the barrel type of thing, is if I decline the gig, if I say, hey, I don't want to play for 100 bucks, there's going to be 100 people lined up behind me that'll play for 90 or 80 or 50 or, or just a big. Oh, you froze again. I just feel like is one thing to. Wait, hang on. Sorry, ahead. you have to kind of rewind like five seconds because you froze. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, if one person decline, if I decline a show for $100, there's going to be 10 other people that'll take it for, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so there's, it kind of creates a situation where there's no, there should be a union or something, but um, there just won't be. And so. Um, I don't know. 
I don't know. <laughs> I think I think there is something in the air where um, different industries are trying to unionize, like Amazon, for example, mm. uh, because it, it, of what's going on in Amazon. There's a lot of like uh, media coverage and all that stuff. And um, I was listening recently listening to a podcast and they were talking about unionizing. <sighs> what industry is that? Shoot, I forgot. I think it's some sort of something along the lines of performance. I think the person who was speaking was a comedian. So it, it was something along the lines of, perf- oh no, I'm sorry, uh, coffee places, baristas and, and stuff like that. Never mind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different. <laughs> no, oh yeah. No, no, there's always going to, I mean, like when I had that one comment from uh, that restaurant owner, when she made that comment, I'm like, well, you know, you can buy a six pack of Corona from the gas station for $10, but you know, some places charge $10 for one beer. Like mm-hmm. what justifies that, you know? And mm-hmm. you can't just say it's because you're in a social environment versus being, you know, at home. So it's just the, the one thing that I've seen just growing up, watching my dad more on the musician side, my mom on the business side. Um, and then of course having a business background in college is, they're really a lot of musicians over history have been taken advantage of um, sure. because of the lack of business sense behind it, you know, and it's still happening to this day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, can't save the world. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's definitely so what I tried to do was the steel pan is so different um, and there was no competition where I was with steel pan. So, um, that was basically like my number one reason to say, hey, listen, you're not gonna pay me what you pay everyone else, you know, because there there is no competition. So if you want us, this is the price that you're gonna have to pay. Yeah. You know, so it was able, we were able to kind of move the rate up a little bit, but um, if you don't have other musicians that wanna follow suit, you know, yeah. so if it's one venue that typically pays 300 and we got six, you know, I'm like, hey guys, when your band performs there, go for six, don't go for three, because they have the budget to do it, you know, and if everybody were to, to come up to six, you know, it may kind of change something, but, you know, a lot of folks were like, no, nah, we're, we're good, we're not going to, we're not going to push that, we just, we enjoy performing, you know. I guess also it depends on why people are performing, you know, right. I mean, in my case, I don't, I don't go for gigs, I think I, I don't really categorize myself as a I'm not a working musician let's say that um you know I'm more of a musical artist where my main thing is writing songs recording them putting it out there and getting like two plays on Spotify a month (laughs) (laughs) obviously I'm not doing this for the money (laughs) (laughs) that's so good though you know (laughs) I was like browsing around. Um, so I, I, I recently joined a bunch of like uh, singer songwriter groups on Facebook and, and uh, every once in a while, like I'll look up some of them and, you know, on Spotify and see how many plays they got. Um, I know, you know what, I know what happened. I was looking up somebody, a musician that I actually know and I looked them up on Spotify and it, he had like a few hundred or a thousand uh, plays per month and I'm like well and I look up my profile I think I had like two plays that you know the past month or something oh, <laughs> but 
Well, you know what? I'm actually surprised I got two plays. Hey, but um, you grew up there, you know. There's a I lot know. of art. <laughs> because on Apple, on Apple Music, I, I, I get a weekly summary report from Apple. For some reason, I must have like, you know, yeah, clicked yes on the notification. Uh, every week I look at it, zero plays. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm also not promoting myself that hard. Right. So, right. Yeah. But anyway, uh, back to you because you're the guest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but good for you. Good for so, you. you know, for negotiating. It, it was, yeah. So just to, I guess to close that that conversation off. Uh, so I had the studio, you know, and I thought it was going to be an amazing rehearsal space, um, you know, and that was just my idea of, hey, rehearse, sound tighter, you know, you could generate a better sounding performance, maybe ask for more money, you know, get invited to concert type things. But um, it just, everyone's vision was not there or a lot of people's vision wasn't there, you know? And then, um, so yeah, so I kind of just ended that that situation, um, you know? So where do you feel people's um, attitudes and sort of outlook are in terms of their own musical, um, I think yeah. it's, I think everyone just has different different visions, you know. Like you said, some folks just do it for the love. Like I've got friends that just, I mean, they make phenomenal music um, just to play for their friends and be like, hey, listen, do you think this sounds cool? You know, and it, it sounds great, but they really don't have uh, any desire to like, you know, put it out there as a professional artist. Um, you know, and I've got a lot of friends who work day jobs you know and they just they want to feel like a rock star at the end of the night so so they'll play a show um from 10 to 1 you know and so I think it just it it's everyone I think the the hardest thing um and this gets back to like my band so the band that you saw um it was called Sounds of Sand and uh I mean we within less than a year we started from an idea and then was opening up for Kamani Marley, one of Bob Marley's sons, you know, and we opened wow. up for him twice, you know, um, but wow. if you don't have the right team around you and everyone doesn't have the same vision, then you're just going to kind of be, you know, you're going to be running in circles, you know, kind of chasing the tail. Is, is that something that you would want for yourself is to open up with a, a better known artist um, to yeah. start? Yeah, I think to start, definitely. Um, I think that once you're, I feel like just being in, in that situation, because um, we also got to spend time with Future Fambo, um, who he did this song called Red Bull and Guinness, The Drunken Master. And uh, it's like, <laughs> you gotta look fun. him up. Yep, Future Fambo. But uh, you know, right now he's doing a lot of work with like DJ Khaled and you know, um, but he's another reggae artist. But I feel like once you're at a certain, um, or sometimes you get those opportunities to be at a platform where you can rub elbows with these people, you know? And uh, if you meet the right person or have the right conversation, it's just like, the, you know, the elevator speech type thing. Uh, oh yeah. You yeah. know, it can definitely catapult you into um, different situations because it's not always about just having good music, but it's the connections. Yeah, um, and people forget um, music like any other industry. I mean, we know because you have corporate experience and I certainly come from a corporate background there. Networking is number one way no to way. get anything, <laughs> get a job, get ahead, get recognized, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you want out of a professional career. Networking right. is like the number one thing. And 
every career building speech talk, you know, conference you ever go to, that is the thing that people tell over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's like, yeah, if, if you're yeah. in the elevator with the CEO, if you can strike their attention within those 10 seconds, you know, you yeah. might end up, you know. <laughs> yeah. But that, people, kinda, people forget, but music is on on one side a major side of it is a business and you have to network there too right you know so yeah that would definitely be uh like i know future fanboy i spent some time with him um when we were we were waiting to get um called on stage to perform our set you know and i think him and i might have had a conversation for like 45 minutes to an hour and then he got invited back to charleston to do a show i wasn't on the show and uh i happened to just be driving down the block <laughs> and i saw him walking to like the store next door from where they're performing and he re he recognized me he's like oh he's like bass man bass man what's up you know and it's like to just run into somebody like that who i'm sure he sees billions of people you know just to even remember just from you know a few minute conversation i think that's really what it is trying to be influential and impactful you know and just kind of work your way from there yeah yeah um so what what is your ultimate goal with your music as far as your music is concerned? Um, so I've got like probably two or three different ideas. Um, mm -hmm. So they're not necessarily just one. Um, the performing side of things, I love performing. Uh, I definitely love like the crowd and, you know, the energy, um, being able to give the energy and also receive energy um, through performances. So that's definitely fun. Um, and I'd like to see how far I can take that. Um, and then the education aspect, I think is huge as well. So after my band dismembered. Uh, <laughs> Wait, your band with your brother or with your oh, family? Oh yeah, exactly, my band, my brother. So oh. um, yeah, so oh, we- So you're solo now? So yeah, I'm solo. Um, my girlfriend, she actually helps me and we do some duo things. The name of our group is called uh, The Steel Empire now ah, so, nice. yeah, s-t-e-o steel empire yes but um so i kind of went from bass to having shows lined up still that kind of required a band and having to change it to like solo and duo type things um but during that time we also went into the education sector and just watching how impactful it was to some of the kids especially like under underdeserved communities um you know they were I mean, it was just huge, you know, um, and so to try to get more support in that aspect, I think would be great um, because you just see like I know how it affected me in terms of just memory and being able to take like those skills and transfer it into doing other things. Um, I think it'd be super impactful on the youth and and even just adults too, like being able to do something fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually. Uh maybe consider working with like seniors because um one of the things that actually help mental sharpness and um is um learning something physical that requires coordination right yeah yeah we, we've we've started to push that a little bit um so basically like uh memory classes because i know seniors they do a lot of xylophone and kalimba Ah, uh -huh. um, and so steel pan is very similar. It's it's easy because you just have the mallet and all you have to do is strike. Like, you know, you don't have to use your fingers and have like hand dexterity and all that. You know, you can literally just strike a note, 
and you're going to get sound out of it. Yeah. Um, so of course, COVID just, you know, it, it closed the lid on that whole, the, the whole senior thing right well, now. Not permanently though. Yeah, not permanently. Yeah. But, um, you know, so, mm. but yeah, so education, performance, and then the production side of things. Um, so I, I don't know when I started producing, I'd say, I think like I composed my first song called Gliding Moon when I was like six or seven years old. And so um, like the way it was growing up in my house was in our basement, my dad had like all these instruments set up. So we had bass, guitar, piano, drums, anything you could pretty much imagine was downstairs and it was always set. So whenever I felt like doing anything musically, I just go down and I just start messing around. You know, it was like uh, musical chairs by myself <laughs> with instruments. So um, just kind of got into the idea of composing, um, seeing how different instruments coordinate and, and work with each other. Um, mm -hmm. So the past four years, my main goal was working on like creating my own production. So um, Prince, which my name is Prince, but Prince, the artist formerly known as Prince, uh -huh. uh, you know, he's a, another one of my inspirations. Um, amazing musician, amazing performer, but him being able to compose like his own album, uh, especially at the time that he did that, I think was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and so taking it to, you know, 2021, my goal was not just having like a good sounding live performance, but being able to produce my own albums or produce my own music and then also produce my own um, like visuals and social media. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of what I've been. That's where my focus has been recently was having, you know, trying to get top notch video sound and, you know, song selection. So video meaning like um, music video. Yeah. Music video. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. So I sent you a link. I know. It was, uh, yeah. 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 So, so we're going to. <laughs> yeah, should we listen to that now? Sure, why not? Yeah, let's do yep. that. It's a cover. Oh, it's a cover. Yep. Yeah, I was that was going to be my first question. Is this uh, an original song? But yeah, so it's it. a uh, Dance Monkey is a cover, and uh, all the music was um, we did the production of it. So, um, um, wait a minute. No, that's not it. So come close is what I got. You sent okay. me something else. So I did. Um, in an email. Okay, uh, I'm gonna stop sharing because I have to open my email then. Yeah, I don't want no. people seeing my email. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so Tones and I um, is the name of the group or the artist and uh, the name of the song is Dance Monkey. And then featured in it is Chelsea, my girlfriend and myself. Okay. And Oh, okay. Here we go. Yeah, it's the, the YouTube link. The YouTube link. Okay. Let me open that. So yeah, we did the the mute, the audio recording, and then we also did the uh, video. All right, I have it open. I'm gonna share.
Little blooper. Oh, that's cute. That's so adorable, you guys. Yeah. That's your girlfriend. Yeah. 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 I know that um yeah you sent me you sent me notes a couple of times. Hey, I'm coming up to New York with my girlfriend. Let's meet up. But I think right. that never happened. Yeah, and then so, we had was a it short, this past weekend or this coming short, weekend? Super short trip this past weekend. Yeah. So um one of our friends just had a baby yesterday. So we saw her before she went into labor. And so, you know, it was like, and then we were also celebrating uh, my girlfriend's birthday. So it was just like a last minute, let's go to New York. <laughs> Yeah, Let's drive 11 hours. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but that that's a lot going on. Yeah, I don't think you would have had time to. Yeah, it, it was <laughs> tough. It was tough, you know. But, um... Yeah, and then my message to you was, sorry, I'm not getting on the subway or anything right. until I'm fully vaccinated. It's <laughs> <laughs> no. like, no. Oh, yeah. Um, no, but because, because of your message, I didn't take public transportation either. I was going to, and then I was like, you know what? Maybe that is a good idea. Maybe I should not, but, you know? And so we just, we drove everywhere, so. Um, yeah, I figured, cause you know, I figured you might be driving up. So, you know, yeah, why would you? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, I would say if you can avoid any crowded places, you know, until, yeah. Everything's under, yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, I mean, a recent report I heard was, although in some some places cases are going up, I think overall cases might be spiking up and down or something, but uh, deaths uh, related to COVID is definitely going down, which is a good thing. Right. So, which means that people who are vaccinated, uh, it, you know, if they're getting sick, you know, if they're catching it, they're not getting sick and dying. And also there is a good deal of like herd immunity starting to uh, take place. So people are not spreading it as much and, you know, um, whatever. Duh, don't, don't listen to me. I'm not a medical, medical <laughs> professional. So I'm just repeating uh, very poorly what I heard in the news. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, the gist of it is right. we're on our way to, you know, better pastures. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, so the other thing was, um, you sent me a MP3. Right. Yeah. So should we listen to that? So this, sure. um, uh, I think, what is it called? Come close. Come close. So that's yeah. an original song, right? It is. Yes, yeah, an original. Yeah. Okay. That's an original song. Uh, I haven't Oops. released it yet. I've, I'm kind of like. Uh, uh step share. <laughs> shared the wrong thing yeah but it's un unreleased but i figure for your podcast let's do it you know oh right okay you know mm -hmm. my podcast is being recorded and i'm putting the recording up on youtube right you know that awesome. yeah uh, okay okay yep, yeah it'll be a, a sneak peek heard it first on jj's podcast there you go yeah. Uh, only like three or four people have heard this well why is it telling me to do that i i i heard it there we go okay
on the right. ca- uh, cover. What is that? I forget what it's called. I can see the picture in front of me. Right. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Pink Floyd. Is it this side of the moon or something? Okay. Wait, hold on. Oh, come on. Can my phone side really slow? It's not Pink Floyd the Wall that I know. Uh, The Dark Side of the Moon. Is that the name of the album? Yeah, that's it, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, The Dark Side of the Moon. I think it's that album. I think from beginning to end, there's like a real continuity. Uh, Like like you don't even, like in some some sections, like you don't even know when the, when one song ends and the other one begins, it just kind of like flows right into the other. I think think it's that one. Yeah. But anyway, um, I do remember uh, the Wall album more because I saw the movie like multiple times. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, you know, when you have like multi senses coming in at the That's same it. time, like it sort of solidifies in your memory, you oh, know, yeah. more so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. visual and audio, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right, so you're working an album. Is this your first, your debut album? Um, my first independent album, yeah. So um, when I was three, there was I had a little cassette called Amir at Three, and I had like six songs on it, you know. But that was just it was steel drum, you know. Uh-huh. It was more so like just me as a feature. Um, so yeah, this album is going to be basically like all of my just my one hundred percent creativity. Um, you know, my vocals, my production, and my instrumentation. Um. Yeah. Okay. Your instrumentation. So you're playing all the instruments as well. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, so actually when I was watching the video of, of uh, you and your girlfriend, uh, I, I was going to ask, does she play? And she does. <laughs> Wait, so did you happen to meet somebody who plays or did it's, you it's teach funny. her? Everyone asked me that question. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I went to steelpandating.com and, you know, <laughs> No, nah, so we actually, um, interesting story. So uh, not to get the next podcast, we'll get more detailed, you know, into the nitty, All right. the nitty gritty. But um, basically it was like a Friday. Um, we had, my band had a show on Saturday. Band broke up Friday night before the gig on Saturday. Saturday had to have a whole new band just for that temporary show. Tuesday, well, Monday, actually, I had a... Um, like a residency and every Monday show. And so I called everyone that I knew to help me as a duo because I could no longer do that duo the way it was supposed to be. Um, and drummers, vocalists, guitarists, you name it, no one was available. Mm, um, wow. So it was like in two days. So Chelsea, she's like, hey, you know what? You can't find anyone. You've been calling all, all day. I'll help you. Like, I'll, I'll try to learn the music or whatever. So I'm like, this may work, you know? She's like, you know, I think you're a pretty good teacher. Cause she was helping me, you know, we were teaching in the schools. And so that was her extent of steel pan knowledge was, you know, showing the kids like how to hold the sticks. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she literally, we spent um, probably eight hours, like two days before the gig, just 
you know, trying to learn some chords. Wow. And, yeah, that, and so, yeah, she filled in um, for that gig, like the first show. And she's like, this is kind of fun, I like it. You know, she's like, you're gonna have to find a replacement though. <laughs> um she you know, want to keep doing it yeah it's like she likes it but she's like I'm not a musician and I'm like once you understand musical notes and you have timing and coordination in my eyes you're a musician you know um well so. the fact that she picked it up in eight hours is is very impressive exactly yeah yeah that's, that's what I said <laughs> I mean she's so. a natural actually if she yeah. picked it up that fast so yeah she picked up and the the, the one that she's playing is known as the tenor plan so I don't play that. Like, I don't, you know, I know where the notes are, but that's not my instrument of choice. And it's not one that I, I grew up playing. So, you know, it was like, hey, listen, I'm gonna show you what you're supposed to do on this, but don't ask me too much because <laughs> that's not my forte either. I'm a bass player, you know? So, um, no, but she picked up the chords and, you know, we did that show. And then we actually, it was crazy because that first gig, um, you know, that we played there was a couple visiting charleston and they actually hired us for a birthday party like the following weekend off of that show you know and had no idea that she had like a 24-hour crash course on wow on yeah. well no but, you don't ever tell people that no definitely not no tell her she's been playing for 24 years exactly <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah so she um she picked it up and then uh you know she she now plays a four bass steel pan um, which if anyone sees a link from this video, you know, they can go on and see some other covers that we did. So, yeah. Well, that, that really is impressive. Um, yeah. Cause I'm not somebody who picks up instruments very easily at all. Same I, I, mean, I, I wouldn't not, not within, you know, 48 hours. I, I couldn't do that either. You know, no. especially anything that requires rhythm, forget it. <laughs> I, I suck at rhythm. <laughs> I, uh, I, um, you know, my, my, my brother is actually an, a sort of a natural musician. He taught himself how to play the drums, guitar, bass, you know, me, the flute. Yeah. He taught himself how to play all those things. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so one time he was like showing me like a certain beat and he's like, boom, 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 boom. Okay this and then something else and I'm like I'm sorry they sound the same to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but um so then then it's so the band is now now you and your girlfriend right so um most of our shows right now are either solo and duo um we do have like I have a drummer that accompanies us sometimes and we've done a few a few gigs with like drums and saxophone um so we'll do more like full band events mm -hmm. uh, but yeah the, for the past this past year you know covid um has been more like low-key anyway so i think it was a perfect time to kind of just consolidate and just you yeah. know go back to a drawing board um you know because yeah we can all it's it's easy to add drums um uh, you know yeah is it <laughs> no, when you say it's easy to add drums, you mean like a drum player? And yeah, to add a drummer, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know I have like three three drummers that that are really good. Um, you know, and they know the material already, so it's yeah. like, you know, that's easy to fill that in if we were to have a bigger show. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think the the cool thing 
or the goal is to definitely start performing some of those originals too. Um, and being that I did all the production already behind the scenes, it'll make it that much easier for um, the live shows. Yeah. Um, well, would you, um, I mean, are you looking to like actually create a band? You know, I, I really don't know. I really yeah. don't know. It's like, I, I did the band thing already, you know, yeah. it, it was going great, but it was also very taxing. Um, and I don't, I don't want to say disastrous at the end, <laughs> but uh, it definitely, like I said earlier, if everyone doesn't have the same vision and then if everyone doesn't want to, I don't expect people to kind of like match my effort a hundred percent. You don't have to, but at least try to match 50% or 20% something, you know? And if it feels like I'm just driving this train by myself, um, it's just like, you know, it's. Yeah. Um, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, um, th that has an interesting story. So apparently all the musicians in, in, in his band actually also do their own thing. Mm -hmm. but they when he calls them they come together and play you know like right. go on tours and you know and uh record or whatever it is that he needs done um but but it's not like um this is a kind of a bad example because it has a a torrid history it's not like the eagles <laughs> where <you know? laughs> <laughs> where, where, you know, it's like they you know they are a unit together right. you know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i don't know i don't know why like the first band that came to mind was the eagles like right. why, why not anybody else yeah i don't know actually all the bands that, that come to mind are they they have uh sort of a, a bad breakup like um the beatles the doors <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah it's you know it well, was the doors, um, he dies i mean that's how yeah, it breaks up but that's a little yeah. different yeah although uh, i think the the band broke up before he died uh, i think he stopped i think they stopped right uh, and then he just kind of you know kind of sort of wasted away i think mm. um but yeah. yeah but anyway sorry yeah you were yeah. saying but no, it's, it's just one of those things more so like, um, I think for me, it's just like energy and like, where, where do you want to put your energy? And then, you know, the return of your energy for what you put out. So, um, cause by no means was I, especially like, um, the band that I did have at that time was not making me rich at all, you know? And it sure. was like, I being an entrepreneur and having two other businesses, those were definitely paying the bills compared to the music. So the music was more so like, okay, I'm following my dream, my passion, something that I'm definitely good at um, and I have experience in, but it was like, I'm trying to build something that I think could be great, you know? Cause of course the cool thing about incorporating Steel Pan is it's not just performance and like that nostalgia, but it's also education and, you know, preserving history. Um, so that was kind of like, that was my motive behind that was like, hey, um, we're kind of at a beach town. Charleston is a beach town. And um, it's also a tourist city, tourist destination. And we've got the palm trees. It looks tropical, you know. So Steel Pan is a great match. But at the same time, it's also like a, a history that's been in my family line. And if we can find a way to keep the history alive and incorporate like modern technology and sound, 
it'd be an amazing thing, you know? So that, yeah. that was, that was my vision behind it. It was like kind of multi-purpose, you know, and the money aspect was just like, Hey, if I can find a way that my band members don't have to worry about where the next dollar is coming from, we're great. You know, now we go on tour and, you know, be in Malaysia for, <laughs> for a year. That would be awesome. <laughs> no, seriously. I'm like, who would not you know, want that? You know? Right. That, you know, so that, that kind of was like, um, that was my vision and my mindset, but it's like, you have to be committed to a project, um, you know, and you have to kind of see things from more of a futuristic standpoint to get there, you know? Yeah. So like considering a band again, it's more so like, I look at that situation as I just didn't have the right people by my side. I think so. I think it really is a matter of finding uh, the right people. Mm -hmm. um, because I think, here's the thing, I think in your case, so this is where it's vastly different from the Eagles, where, you know, like you, you are definitely the front person. You're the one, you're the lead of the band. You're doing, uh, writing the songs. Will you be like performing original stuff, right? Or maybe or, covers too. I like guess, futuristic but... or, or like my past situation? No, your, your future. Future, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so right, I would be, and I mean, not every song do I have to, um, like for me, I don't necessarily always want to be like the front person. I don't mind like taking a step back and even if I had another person with vocals or, you know, or someone sharing the stage. Um, but yeah, definitely would be some original music. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, you're, you're definitely the lead person though. Right. I mean, I mean, this is, this is yours. Yeah. And so I think, um, yeah, I think if you have the right people who, um, who really just need to be good support, I think. Mm -hmm. Good musicians, yes. But in terms of like attitude and all that, um, it, I don't think it I don't think it can be somebody like who wants to launch a solo career or be the front man of a band, you know, like that can't be their vision. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that I think that's definitely factual. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know. Um yeah uh the the two musicians that i play with um so one he's also my producer and um i mean i guess he's mainly my producer and but he also plays um you know and um so uh, i've been with him since the beginning and the guitarist um we brought him in at, at sort of the middle of producing my first first album and then, um, and then he played at the at my first show. And then I, I also just kind of wanted to try out different guitarists, and you know, and just meet and other musicians, and you know, and try them out and see what combination works. But we kept coming back to the original guitarist because mm -hmm. I think it, we just work really well. I Chemistry. think. And so at some point, and when I did bring him back, like two years later, I decided. So when I decided to bring him back. That was a point when I decided, okay, I think he's gonna be my guitarist. <laughs> and that's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is it. This is the right. set right here. <laughs> yeah, these two guys. Uh, yeah, and uh, and at some point, I think like um, when the finances and and all, a lot of other things work out, um, I think I would like to add a third person 
uh, somebody who plays like a bass, like an upright and and also like you know regular bass. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know that's not going to be you because you have your own thing, <laughs> and you don't play upright, do you? I do. I, I you do. do. Yeah. Oh I've my gosh. In, I've got one in my living room right now. <laughs> okay, you know maybe you could play on a gig or or something, but you're not going to be my main bassist because uh-huh. you have your own path. I'll yeah. Be yeah. Be a yeah. guest artist one day, yeah. Yeah, um, and visually it fits too because both guys are tall. <laughs> <laughs> that way, and, and you know, and sometimes you do have to like consider the optics, you know, right. because it is a you yeah. know a live performance is a visual medium too. A visual presentation. <laughs> yes, and so I I'm the short one. <laughs> And so, you know, I'll be surrounded by tall guys and it just works really well. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, so I think I think so. So I think, um, you know, it's a, it really is a matter of like assembling the right team. And yeah, I think the hardest thing for me is like, I don't know, I have, the past 10 years, I have not found that many people, definitely my age group, but that many people in general that have like a very solid work ethic and vision, you know? Ah. And maybe that's, maybe it's because of where I'm at. I don't know. But like, even through my travels and whatnot, I haven't found that many people. Like I remember in college, it was like, you know, like the Watson fellows, for instance, you know, it's like, these are folks that were like, they're going to find the cure of COVID like before it even came out, you know, like they're, they're traveling, they're, like they're getting it, you know? Um, and so whether it's music or it's personal, it's been very hard to um, kind of assemble myself with folks like that. And so um, I don't know if it's just like a changing times thing or maybe it's just my environment or, you know, but, um, you know, it's one thing I've been looking for. Like I found a, a few great mentors over the past year, which is great, you know? Um, but you know, in terms of like aspiring, like young, hungry musicians or artists or just people in general, I, I have not found that, you know. That is interesting. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it's the artistic nature or the artistic temperament sort of like getting in the way of being um a professional, you know? Mm. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Yeah, I don't know. I really I I, I just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember like like college, for instance, um, like music aside, you know, it was just like I get up 6 a.m. I'm on the field with my track, <laughs> you know, by eight o'clock, I'm half asleep for my first class. Then I got a whole eight hours of class and I got practice again. Then I find time to do my internship and, you know, then, of course, rehearse later on and then try to have a social life, too, you know, and it's just like. I kind of went about that as like a visionary type of aspect, you know, yeah. it was, I was doing it not because let me fill my plate, but more so like, I think if I do these things, it's going to catapult me later on, mm-hmm. um, you know. I forgot about the track and fields. Yeah. yeah. So you're, I mean, thinking back, looking back, your, your life, entire life was all about one form of discipline or another. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, right? Yeah. Your music, <laughs> track and fields. The fellowship, you yeah, know, academics college. and all that. College, yeah, <laughs> academics and all that. So I mean, that's like really good training ground for yeah. you know lots of other things. 
Um, I also hear like martial arts training, any anything that like requires you to train on a daily basis mm-hmm. or regularly to accomplish something. Um, I think it's a good foundation for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. For whatever they choose to do later in life. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, so I, I'm wondering, like, um, so the musicians that you're coming across, I mean, are they, are they professional musicians or are they? I would say, well, what's your definition of professional? <laughs> um, okay. Well, okay. So there are also different professionals. So, um, Uh, okay so there are there are musical artists or musicians well working actual working musicians they tend to they tend to I mean if they may have their own thing like they compose their own stuff or they have their you know whatever own Mm -hmm. band or whatever but if they're working musicians they they also do a good deal of session work so they're, you know, they hire themselves out as session art, uh, session right. musicians. Okay. Um, I don't know. Maybe my experience has been, if music is what they do as a profession, like this is how they make their income, make right. their living, um, then they they tend to be fairly good about and disciplined about like showing up, actually showing up, and right. you know and doing what they're told or or yeah so i think you know at least here like in south carolina the culture um that i've seen is it's like how do i say this without being offensive (laughs) it's just like you know if you see it you got to get it you know like you just so let's say you call me and say hey i mean i want you to play upright on uh, next Saturday, you know, I'm going to pay you 200 bucks. Great. I'll put it on my calendar. And then let's say Friday night, I get a phone call. Hey, me, I really need you on base. You know, it's going to pay 400. You know, can you do it? All right, sure. I'll do it. And then I'm going to call all my base friends and be like, Hey, can one of you guys fill for me and just play JJ's gig? Cause you know, I can't make it. Uh, you know? uh-huh. And so now when you have like that, that sense of disloyalty, uh-huh. um, like one thing that I've noticed is a it affects the sound because yeah. every artist is going to have their style of playing their sound and unless you sit down and you study how that person plays so if I'm filling in as a bass player if I'm studying his riffs and everything maybe I can kind of pull it off but for the most part you know at the level that most of us are that's not going to happen you know so now it's going to be like oh he played the bass different than the last guy or oh wait you're not the same you're not the six foot nine guy <laughs> uh, you, you look a little shorter than the last bass player and so <laughs> it's like you get that so now every time the group comes out or performs out it sounds different you yeah. know and so there's so a lot of that happens and so it's just like like i had a conversation with one of my musician uh, uh one of the musicians that was performing with me and i was just explaining to them like hey listen I think that your character and I think that, you know, you as a person, your reliability is way greater than money, you know? Um, Cause they'd asked me one time, like, Hey, if, if, if we don't have a gig book for next Saturday, 
And my job as a manager is to make sure we have a gig booked by the next Saturday. And it's Monday. If someone else offers them a show on Saturday, they're going to look at their calendar and be like, well, there's nothing there. So let me go ahead and commit. And then they commit to it. And by Wednesday, I have a gig filled. And now I have to find a replacement drummer who's supposed to be or a replacement, you know, guitarist who's supposed to be, you know, that fill. And so. Yeah. And that that's really, really not cool. I yeah, mean, it, it just it throws the dynamic off. It, ma- it makes it difficult, you know, because yeah. then now you it's like, OK, you have to reassemble your band every time. Yeah. yeah. Also, um, I think um, with just days notice that doesn't really work very well. I mean, I I mean, I've had the occasion because, um, you know, something came up with my musicians. And so I had to either reschedule or find a replacement that did happen. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, I mean, even with my regular musicians, you know, it's not like that never happens. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, of course, things can happen. But when it's a regular of like, you know, without contracts, it's like if um, if I commit somebody to or even sometimes venues, it's like, you know, you commit to a date with a venue or with a musician and then they switch up on you um, for whatever reason it may be, you know, whether it's like, you know, like oh, Kamani Marley's in town. So instead of having you guys on stage, uh, he offered to play. So sorry, guys, we'll see you next week. You know, there's that whole fluctuation of just, you know, stability. So I don't think like, you know, when it comes to like professionalism of musicians, because there's great musicians here in Charleston, great musicians in South Carolina, um, you know, but I've found, and this may just be my opinion, but it's just like, you know, I, I mean, I was there at one point where I'd have three gigs, three three hour gigs in one day, you know, and I'm like speeding down the highway trying to get to the next one just because I'm chasing the money. Like, OK, if I take three shows, this is going to be a great Friday, a great set, you know, and next thing you know it. <laughs> but but not at the same time. Right. So three shows like maybe one at five o'clock, one at eight o'clock, one at like midnight or so something. I'd have like, 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 like a three to six. And then I might have like a seven to nine and then like 10 to one, you know? And so here I am like the, and then what happens the end of the show, let's say they're asking for overtime and I've already, you can't do it now. So now it's like the band has to play overtime without me because I'm wrapping up my wires, trying to run to the next show, you know, and they all pay the same thing. I, I will say this, uh, when I do my shows, I kind of do expect my musicians to stay at the after party. <laughs> <laughs> and if they happen to book something after that and they're like, oh, sorry, I have to go. Like, I don't, I, of course I say like, yeah, that's fine. I'll see you later, you know, but inside I'm like, why? <laughs> why exactly. can't you just hang out? <laughs> right. yep. I know I'm not paying you for the extra time, but okay. I'm, more I'm buying you food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, that's why it goes, it all goes back to if I'm able to take care of my band members or my musicians, you know, where they don't have to, you know, look left or right. But yeah. that'd be the ideal situation, you know, because, um, you know, in the past, I've definitely asked for like creative input and I've asked for even business input. Like, hey, what do you all think um, might help propel our group to another level? You know, should we do more photos? Should we boost our Instagram? Should we do this, that, you know, and just trying to really understand like and listen to the, the whole band, you know. 
And that is your band. What you're trying to assemble is a band. So they're not they're not just musicians for hire that you're trying to right exactly bring together. Yeah, you are trying to assemble a band. It's a team, yeah. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Then I think you you may have to go through a whole bunch of people until you find the right. <laughs> no, I'm serious, right? Right, yeah. you're, you're right. And and I've and you know it's crazy. I've I've been through a lot of people. You know, even mm -hmm. like like for my my business, you know, going through employees, you know, um, it's the yeah. same type of thing. So, and that's I mean that's why at at this point, you know, it's more so like okay, I'm gonna create my own music, and then we'll go from there. We'll figure out you know how how that that portion goes. Yeah, because you know? it's it's just super tricky, and you know, I think it just goes back to the vision. If everyone doesn't have the same vision, you know, um, it's gonna be hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I kind of go back to my earlier point. Uh, maybe they don't have a, a vision per se, but if, if their attitude is, okay, I'm joining this team to support you. Right. I think that may be the number one thing that you'll need. Right. Is... Um, because like you could start with having the same vision but then well this is this is what happens with um with any kind of team let's say in the beginning you may be on the same page about the direction mm -hmm. but then over time that changes right. either the different members have different ideas in terms of which way it should go next or you may decide, okay, I think I'm going to sort of uh, shift a little bit because right. I think this is the way it should go. But then they have to shift with you, right? Mm. But if their primary objective is to support you, then, then right, it doesn't matter. Of, right. Yeah. 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 It's like a relationship. <laughs> it is. It is like relationship. But, no. but in this case, you are the center of that relationship as much and as much as you want to take care of your team members. Um, like, and you want to make sure everyone's happy and, and, you know, and artistically fulfilled and gratified and, and all that stuff, because I mean, that's a huge part of it, too, mm -hmm. isn't it? as artists like you know if it's not fun and and satisfying like why do it right exactly um but uh so i mean like you have to make sure like those aspects you know those needs are met but i think their primary should be making sure that you're supported right yeah yeah, yeah. so talented musicians yes that's kind of a given right yeah, but in terms of like attitude and motivation, it has to be like, yeah, I got your back, man. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's definitely true. So, I mean, I don't know if the rest of uh, the music world, musician world, agrees with what I just said, but I said <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, I said it, like Chris Rock says. Right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah but no, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's been a fun journey. And I think, you know, um, I was labeled as just a bass player. So, you know, I've got a t-shirt that I perform out with that says just a bass player, you know. Um, and I haven't, well, so I guess my live performances recently, I'd say all of 2020, I might've played one bass gig. 
And then um, now that everything's opened up, it's like I am playing a few bass shows. Um, I'm doing a lot of solo for the Steel Pan. And then I've been a hired gun for drums now. So I made the mistake of playing drums one day at my show instead of bass. <laughs> and uh, the lead singer, he's like, wait a minute. He's like, I, I like how you play drums. So um, you, you want to play like three more gigs on drums? And then, you know, he's like, I never even knew you played drums. And then like I played a second gig and he's like, yeah, you're going to get all the drum gigs from now on, you know? So I'm like, is that an insult to my bass playing or is that a compliment? <laughs> you know, so. Um, well, I think uh, you, you've been playing the drums longer than you've been playing the bass though, right? Well, no, drum set, drum set. Like, like a um, like a regular drum set like drums yeah drum set yeah, yeah. Uh, so well, my drum drum set for me has been kind of like a hobby type of thing like uh you know i haven't really played drum set on on shows um you know it was more kind of like uh i don't know it's, for me it's therapeutic you know <laughs> so it's just like this crap hey. you know especially rock music it's, it's fun i'm just like <laughs> it's, <laughs> So, um, but yeah, no, I, I haven't, you know, um, I've always, I've owned a drum set, uh, you know, I invested in a nice set for my studio at the time. So, you know, I've, I've got a decent set. I used to just mess around and practice, you know, just take time to practice, but, you know. Oops. You know, you're good. I know, it's just noisy, New York, you know, <laughs> you remember. Yep. Um, but, um, yeah, so yeah, that's kind of been, you know, the, the live thing has just been, uh, trying different things honestly yeah yeah, yeah. So. well that's amazing though um yeah i think uh so what made you decide to also start composing songs so i, I think until this uh, until recently you've been primarily an instrument instrumental instrumentalist exactly yeah so um i remember having a conversation with a friend of mine this was 2000 and i want to say 2004 like 2004, 2008-ish, somewhere in that, that time period. And he's like, come on, man, like we need to do some studio work, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I was just like, no, like, you know, and, and I had a lot of experience like with Pro Tools and, you know, my, like I said, my dad had a lot of um, like Macs and things like that, you know, so I've always done some form of production and um, I had like synthesizer class in high school. So I've always made beats um, and used to like rap over them and things. But I went the live performance route because back in 08, like the iPod was emerging and all this digital. And I was like, you know, I feel like there's going to be at some point in time, a demand for live music once again, you know, because I felt like that culture was dying. And so I just wanted to kind of support that and hold on to the live culture. Fast forwarding to now, um, you know, I felt like I did a great deal amount or a great deal of live performance. Um, but I also do have another side of me with the production. Um, and I also produce different styles of music. So it's like not just reggae or not just Caribbean, you know. Um, so it's like, I just want to showcase like all that I have um, because I, I've, I've played in all types of groups, um, you know, rock, jazz, funk, you know, hip hop, you name it, you know. So just taking all these different influences and uh, when I perform, I, you know, I'm usually told like, hey, your sound is unique. It, like, it sounds like this, but then it sounds like something else, you know, and I think I just chalk that up to me being open to listening to different music. 
you know? So with that, it's like, I feel like I could compose different types of music, you know? And so that's, I was just like, you know what? Start putting them out there. So, yeah. So how would you describe your music? Like if you had to put it into a, uh, or a category or just describe it. Right. Um, I would just, I don't know. I think it's a hybrid of just different, different things. Um, so I've got different influences. So um, I sent it in the list too, but uh, I'll just name off a few. It's got like uh, Steel Pulse, which is a reggae group. Um, Bob Marley, of course. Uh, I've got Prince, Michael. Um, and then like, I like the Foo Wait, Fighters. Michael as in Jackson? Michael Jackson, yeah. Okay. You know, um, so, uh, and then like, I like the Foo Fighters. I like the Doors, Van Morrison, you know, so having so many dynamics of musical style. Um, and then I think just having a Caribbean background, a lot of folks in the Caribbean, like their job was to try to perfect American music as best as possible. Oh, really? Yeah. So, you know, if you, <laughs> so you can find like a lot of Caribbean um, drummers, for instance, like they know how to play jazz really well, but then they can also play reggae and, and like, you know, soca, where like the vice versa, if you take like an American artist, it's it's hard to get like that syncopation, like the Caribbean syncopation or like some off timing, like African style drumming. So growing up for me, it was kind of natural to take on the Caribbean music. But then I feel like, you know, like my parents, they had that, you know, the OJs and, you know, some of these American groups that they wanted, they listened to on the radio when they were overseas. And it's like, hey, I want to be, you know, this next guy. And so there was also like that pressure on hey if we play jazz it's going to sound like jazz if we do rock it's going to sound it has to sound like rock you know and so like with my production if i'm doing if i'm doing a pop song you know it's got to sound like adele or Katy perry or you know um you know chris brown and if i'm doing jazz you know it better sound like steps ahead or something like that you know so, um this is for your performance or for your album this is from my album, um, but also for performance now, like my set list mm -hmm. is, it, it is a wide variety. So I try to always have music that's gonna appease different people in the, you know, in the audience. Wait, yeah. so uh, just to uh, make sure I understand. So for your album then, so your album is then an eclectic mix of like different sounds? Yeah, so. Okay, so there'll be pop sounding, sounding songs and. Exactly. Yeah, sounding songs, okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like, um, you know, my idea back in 2012 was like, I wanted to do an album that was like my interpretation of this style of music. I see. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that's like, that's how I hear that, you know, yeah. and try to um, express it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I think I, I try to do that too. Like, um, especially this, uh, the album I'm working on now, I'm sort of, I want to incorporate some jazzy sound and some bluesy sounds and stuff. So, but apparently in terms of my writing, um, like when I hear that different type of music, I recognize it, but I don't think I have it in my bones yet that I can actually write it like, exactly in that style so it's like it, it's like jazz adjacent and blues right. adjacent <laughs> yeah but i mean you know that's that's good 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, jazz, yeah. like as a kid, when I heard jazz, I just thought it was just a bunch of noise, like you know, because I, oh, yeah. I listened to like Thelonious Monk, and you know, and it's like they were at such a different level of their their jazz skill that they they played accidentals and notes that didn't even sound like they were in the key. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, it's just noise, you know, and then. Uh, I guess as I got older, I'm like, well, jazz is more free form. You can just play what you want as long as it sounds good. You know? But, but in terms of, but a trained jazz musician though would know, would have the foundation, a solid foundation, right. in order so that they can build on top of that. So, in in working with different musicians, I found that, um, especially guitarists who have a jazz background. I find it easier to work with them than somebody who has, who doesn't have a jazz background, who just write, you know, uh, plays like pop or rock. Because of the music theory, right? Would you say more because of music theory or just? I don't know. Like yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Or the training. It's either the music theory or the training. Because in order for you to be a competent jazz player, like you have to go beyond, you know, like you have to be a competent. I would say everything else in order for you to be a competent jazz player. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's just my thinking, I think. Um, but I mean, it, yeah, I haven't worked with a whole lot of musicians, but like, you know, one, two, three, four, four different guitarists or something. And um, of them, the one that I'm working with now, he's the one who's trained as a, a jazz musician. The others they have, I, one I think was maybe trained in like, you know, pop or, or something. The other one was, um, he's actually, uh, he does a good deal of folk. Okay. He also does jazz. He does a whole bunch of things. I'm not if I'm not sure if he's a trained jazz musician or not. That's a good question. I should ask him. But anyway, um, and at the time, my, my first album was sort of more so in the folk genre than anything else, like if you had to put it into a category. And yet, for some reason, like um, the jazz musicians I'm, I'm working with now, like he's a better fit than the than the person who does more folk songs. And you think it's because of his jazz experience or? Or it could just be him. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, every every musician is different. Right. right. Not all jazz musicians are the same either. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Or it could, yeah, it could just be him. Like, like he, I think he's just maybe a better fit for the music I'm writing. I don't know. Right. Yeah. 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 Could be. But anyway, yeah. So you're going to have to go through a whole bunch of people until you find your team. Yeah. That's, that's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Because I was thinking, like, Erica Badu, for instance, she is one of my favorite artists, you know, and I've seen her live, um, I think just once, but I've seen a lot of her concerts. And it's like, I know, of course, at that level, it's different, you know. Yeah. She, she can make a phone call and be like, hey, I need a bass player in this city and a drummer. That's, you know, it's going to be great. Yeah. And then that's it. Like, she'll, you know, they'll rehearse, you know, a few hours before the gig and that's it. They got it. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I wouldn't mind doing something like that either, where it's just like, you know, um, as long as they know the material real quick and that's it, I'll send them the MP3, they can listen to it, you know, and then just go from there when it's showtime. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't have dealing with a whole group is it it is there's a lot to it, a lot more than than people realize, you know. Like you got folks showing up late and <laughs> it's like, you know, you have to take all that heat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also though, I think um I think if you 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 may have to kind of like work with him over several years for right. for you guys to come together as a team because sometimes it does take time. Right. You know? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. So I think uh I mean my producer, we've now been working together for 10 years now, on and off. So it's not it's not like we get to work together like continuously. Right. Um well since I released the album, we've done at least one show every year. Um except for last year, I, I've done two shows every year. Um and almost always my producer is involved. And so and of course, because he produced my music, like in some ways, he knows my music better than I do, mm. you know? And so, right, because, I mean, you you produce stuff. So like when you're producing stuff, you know it inside out. Exactly. You know how the drums go and he, all the changes, everything. Yeah, yeah everything. Um, yeah, so, so like I have full confidence in him, right? Like, but you know, some every once in a while though, sometimes he'll like forget, like, wait, how did that sound go again? <laughs> <You know? laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he is, I'm not the only artist he works with. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so after after a while, like, you know, you do have to like, you know, work it like conjuring up your memory and, and all that. But you know, once it comes back, it's it's done. Um but um, but yeah, yeah, like he he knows he knows my music inside out. Um, but now, like the more I'm also working with my guitarist, like he's now getting a little more involved in in the sort of the making of it. So the first album, I brought him in when all the songs were all written and a lot of the parts, except for the guitar part, that were all already recorded. So he came in at the at the end. But now with the second album, like I'm involving him, you know, as I'm working out the songs, as I'm writing it and, and stuff. So, yeah, so that's that's been interesting, like kind of getting their input and and sometimes that kind of like changes how I think about the song and, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I was watching. I saw a documentary. Um, so uh, Linkin Park's one of my favorite rock groups. And uh, I don't know them. Linkin you don't know Park? Linkin Park? What? <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna have to look them up. Linkin yeah, Park. Looking, yeah, right, right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, but they were talking about um, and uh, let's see, I'm gonna. So yeah, Chester Benningham, who was the lead singer. Um, he also, well, yeah, he's the lead singer for the group. But I was watching some interviews on him, and uh, I think it was him and the rapper slash guitarist something like that they they spoke about how you know the way they were completing their album was they would just come up with an idea and kind of just start the song and run it through the other members and it was like they just they literally built the whole album off of like the input of everyone you know and that's and then i think they had an, an album called hybrid theory if i'm not mistaken but you know it's like 
you can hear the influences of each artist through the, through the music. Yeah, they did. I have myself on mute. I love this cover. Oh yeah. It's like this abstract thing. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is a song called um, Encore with Jay-Z. Jay-Z did like a, a line on there. I'm like, as you're talking, I'm like downloading every one of their albums. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't, prior to like a couple of years ago, I, I really resisted getting a subscription on Apple Music. I don't know why. It's like, I don't want to pay $10 every month. Right. But then there was at one point I was curious about a particular artist. And so I went on, I think Amazon or CD baby or something. And I started purchasing like their entire discography. It came mm -hmm. out to like way too much. So like I, so I had to like select pick and choose. <laughs> and I ended up spending like a hundred dollars on mm -hmm. a bunch of CDs that I still have not really listened to, right. you know? And I'm like, wait, I just spent a hundred dollars when I could have paid, you know, ten dollars every month and have access to all their music. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. So yeah. Thought, yeah, for me, I was like very similar, you know, because there was a point where you could buy like albums or songs independently, and the artist mm -hmm. got like a certain percentage. But with like the subscription, it's like, how are they getting that percentage? Um, or is it per plays? Like how many I plays? I think so. I think it's per plays. Okay. So even if I have it downloaded, if, I, if I'm not playing it, I don't think the artists get anything. Right. The uh, that well, the thing is, the subscription just gives you access to it. Um. So it's okay. not like so. As as soon as I uh, stop the subscription, my access to all the downloaded music, they all go. You know. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, there's a couple of different, there's, there's actually you download and then you physically download, I think in that case. Right. Yeah. So you have it on your playlist and then you can download from the cloud. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly. So, you know, if you're actually physically downloading to your hard drive, uh, I wonder if you end your subscription, if that goes away too. I don't think so. Cause it's on your hard drive at that point. Right. Yeah. So we probably. So that means I have to download every one of them before I end my subscription. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what I have to do? <laughs> bring back LimeWire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway. So um, yeah. So is that is that something you're looking to do then? Like um, have your team members collaborate with you in the music. Um. Possibly, possibly. Uh, I mean, I think I just get a lot of my influence just from listening to, you know, different artists, mm -hmm. um, no matter who it is, you know, I feel like there's something that you can kind of just take from anyone in terms of just creativity and, and influence. Um, but yeah, in the past, that's kind of how it's been, you know, like with drummers, for instance, you know, I may have an idea of like, okay, hey, let's try this drum pattern. And then they do something that I like, and it's like, okay, you know what? We're gonna do this break next time. You know, like the crowd like this, it's not permanent, like that's yours, you know? So, yeah. That's yeah. Good. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a cool process, um, you know? And then somehow um, it comes together. There is this, um, so there's one song. So 
the last live show I did, so I record all my all my shows, and uh, and I started doing this where um, I'm commentating on my own shows. <laughs> <laughs> So I invite a guest commentator and uh -huh. together we watch, um, you know, the show and then, you know, we're commentating on, on the songs, on the, on the music, on the performance, the stupid things I say on stage and that sort of thing. And uh, so I did a commentary video with uh, Jody, my producer, and Sebastian, my guitarist. And um, so what, we were watching the last live performance we did and we got to a particular song and uh, we all agreed, you know what? That sounds really nice how we performed that. Mm -hmm. um, and it was the first time all three of us were performing that particular song. And, uh, and so we all agreed like when we, if we ever record that song that we're gonna have to like sort of do that, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. no, it, and the thing is, it, it just happened on stage. Right. Right. I mean, we did rehearse the song ahead of time, but I think how it actually happened on stage, it was just like everything came together really nicely, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a magical moment, you know? Sometimes you just have, you yeah. know, that mistake becomes, oh, this, this is going to be a permanent thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right, so... Um, how far along into your album are you? That's a good question. <laughs> it should have been done by now. Oh. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I have a lot of tracks. Um, so it's just at this point, um, I kind of I find myself trying to be a perfectionist in many aspects. Like the song we listened to, uh, I just had to kind of just master it and just leave it alone, you know? And I'm like, you know what? I hear every every imperfection in it, but I'm just gonna leave it alone. <laughs> Wait, you're so, mastering it on your own also? Yeah, so I mix and master. Yeah, I did everything, like literally, you know? And so, um, yeah, cause at, at the time I was, you know, I've, I've done like some mild production for other people before. Um, and so working with another different artists, you know, music, it's a different sound. You, you hear it as like a second set of ears. So it's a little different than doing your own. Um, yeah. Like with me, it's more so like I have to start a track, record it, mix and master it. And then I come back to it a little bit later where like my ears are refreshed. Mm -hmm. And then I can be like, okay, yeah, this doesn't sound good. Or this kick needs to come up or whatever, you know? So I think that's kind of one of my dilemmas. But I, I mean, I just, it's something where I just want it to be me, you know, like my sound. Um, but of course, as you grow and you get better at what you're doing, everything you did before isn't oh, good. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I listen to my first album now and it's like, Arr. Yeah, it's like, oh, you know, so, so that's, that's kind of the trick, but um, yeah, it's, we'll see because I, I have to definitely release it, you know, definitely have to release that. Um, you know, I've had some friends push me like, man, you can't let things, you know, just, pile up in the closet, um, you know, but we'll see. I, I think this summer is definitely gonna be very exciting. Um, yeah. You know, and the, I think there's like a new breath of fresh air um, with COVID starting to die down and, you know, shows opening up, better weather. So, um, you know, I think I've got a good foundation on like my recording situation. Um, and so now it's just a matter of just getting back to the creative mindset. 
That's great. And I think that's a maybe a good place to end uh, our conversation. Uh, definitely come back anytime. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think you said, uh, we have to have a fuller conversation about something. I think, was it your girlfriend about how we, you we met? We definitely have a conversation about my girlfriend. Yeah, that'd be cool. But, uh, oh, maybe she yeah. could be on, on the show too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. We could talk so, about relationships. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be cool. Yep. And then, you know, I could talk about my, uh, my journey of, of, you know, trying to keep a band together and, you know, family band drama <laughs> yeah we, we could keep it interesting you know oh but, no uh, we, we definitely could um yeah relationships and because you know also you you're a couple who also work together because she's involved now with your right. music right definitely. yeah oh yeah you yeah know. i actually have uh, an experience working with my uh partner and that did not end well <laughs> 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 and you know they say dating a musician is like you know one of the worst the worst person to date is a musician apparently you know really why why is that I've, well you know, musicians have groupies and you know and then the whole nine you know i don't know musicians don't always have a good stigma uh, and, and musicians could also be very emotional like you know well that could be said about artists in general so like sure. Yeah, like painters yeah. and uh, actors and what have you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, but musicians in particular, really? Like, so you have groupies already? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't. I don't think they're groupies, but you know, my girlfriend may think that they're groupies. You know. Oh, oh, I see. No, I've had like when we had our band for sure. Um, you know. I actually, I had groupies come to the show and they, they were offended that I did not say hello or they were offended that I, you know, I didn't recognize them. I'm just like, I'm sorry, like, you know, I don't even know who you are, okay? You know, um, but it, it was cool to have, you know, to do to definitely see like reoccurring faces, you know, yeah. people that you know are, they're gonna come support your music, even on like a local, you know. Level. Well, here's the thing. Okay, so whether they're groupies or not, you do have to pander to your fans a little bit. Exactly, of course. Yeah. If they come up, <laughs> if they come up to you and act like they know you, you have to at least pretend and say hi and be nice to them. Right, of course. If you of want course. them to continue coming to your show. Definitely. See, in this one instance that I'm referring to, it was like, we rushed from another show. I was like talking to the sound man, trying to get things going on, you know, had another artist that was running late. You know, it was like a lot going on and I was playing like Mr. Manager, you know, and yeah. so I guess in passing, like, you didn't wave to me. I was like, I didn't. Like, oh, well, that's a little presumptuous. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, expecting somebody who's on stage to remember everybody who's in the audience. Right. Yeah, you know. yeah. That's, uh, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. You know. I'm, I'm actually, oh, you know what? Let, let's save this for, for the next podcast because I have some, I have some funny stories about, um, about an artist that I, I had been following. I guess I still kind of follow him. I don't know. But, um, uh, yeah, there was one time when he, you know what? I'm going to save this story because it's a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let's like swap stories, funny stories and about cool. relationships, about performing and all that stuff yeah. uh, next time. Um, 
So, yes, before we go, where can people find you, your right. music and all that? Awesome. So um, right now on Instagram, it's Amir Solomon. So first name, A-M-I-R-E-S-O-L-O-M-O-N, all O's in between. Um, and then the Steel Empire is our YouTube. Uh, we definitely will be putting out more material. Uh, you know, we've been slacking a little bit with the videos, but we have we do have material that's unreleased, so it will be coming soon. Um, and then let's see what else, what other link. And then I have a BeatStars link. Um, so for any other artists looking for material, for music, instrumentals, inspiration, whatever, um, I have a BeatStars page. And those are just instrumentals that I put out. Um, I may have like 10 or 11 tracks on there. So you can purchase them or you can just listen to them. And that link will be, I emailed you the link. So okay, in the description. Cool. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah, definitely and follow us. And yeah. And all that will be in the description when this episode airs. Um, and it will air not this Friday, uh, next Friday. So okay. I've been releasing the episodes uh, like on Fridays. Uh, trying to keep to a regular schedule um i think you and i would just happen to uh record this earlier than usual but that's okay whatever it's cool. not like it's time sensitive <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway it was so great to see Definitely. you great to you, too. you know next time i'm in new york We'll make it happen. <laughs> we'll make it. We'll definitely make it happen. Yeah. Until then, um, yeah. I'll uh, I'll check out your your. I think I'm already following you on on Instagram, but I'll check out your YouTube channel. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um. Anyway, so thanks everyone for listening. Uh, stay on for a minute, you and uh, but everybody else, you guys can go. <laughs> <laughs> I do chat with the guests like offline for a couple of minutes after Hi. the show ends. But anyway, thanks everyone. Uh, you could find Beer Cake with JJ Co on on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and Twitter, and um, and the po- the audio podcast airs on most uh, podcast streaming services. So you could find us and uh, tune in next time. Thanks. Okay. I don't-